This is the Nebraska Greats, a weekly podcast as a service to the Nebraska Greats Foundation, which serves former collegiate athletes facing medical needs and financial challenges. Your tax-deductible contribution will change the life of a former college sports hero. Please give online at negreats.org. And now, here's your host, Corey McEwen. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You are listening to the Nebraska Greats. Not just me and our guests, but a podcast produced by the Nebraska Greats Foundation, which serves the collegiate athletes facing a medical need and a financial challenge. If you want to learn more or give generously, head to www.negreats.org. This is Corey McHugh and your guest host. Well, I'd say guest celebrity host or super celebrity, if there was such a thing. And our guest, who's probably rolling his eyes at me right now, is the great Jay Moore. Jay Moore, number 44 in our hearts, number one in our hearts, number 44 on the field for the Nebraska Cornhuskers, a Nebraska great, a Elkhorn icon, and a Firethorn sandbagger. Jay, welcome to the podcast. I practiced that opening four times in my head. I think it went pretty well. How you doing, buddy? Good, buddy. Yeah, that went pretty well. Sandbagger, huh? I'm a sandbagger. <laughs> well, um, I just for my own confidence level, I like to think that. It yeah, helps I would me say you are you, 15. You take the title of sandbagger if I'm going to bring it to anybody. I don't know. Maybe you need more shots. Maybe you're a reverse sandbagger. No, I am not an ego sandbagger, Jay. You know this. I am there for the fun, not for the challenge. That's your brother-in-law. Oh my gosh, let's not bring his name into this mix. So today we got Jay Moore, um, obviously a great black shirt. And if you, I know you can't see us on the video, but Jay, if you look, I got your your face hanging on my wall behind me. I kiss it every morning when I get into the office to start work. And today, Jay, what I want to do is talk about you. I want to talk about your career at Nebraska. I want to talk about your career in the pros. I want to talk about your career on the golf course. And I just want to hear some good Nebraska stories that don't involve me getting any phone calls from any attorneys. Let's just make sure that's clear right now. So Jay Elkhorn came right in the University of Nebraska, um, a three-year letter winner. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yep, you're right. Oh, thank goodness, because if you're going to say four, you're going to trump me. And I was going to start crying on the, on this podcast. No, but. We came in, I think graduated in 2006 after a great senior year, went into the NFL, got drafted by the San Francisco 49ers, spent some good time out there before they moved stadiums. That was over a candlestick, right? When they still yep. had that going? Tell yep. me about yeah, that. Yeah, it was, a, it was iconic, but it was a dump. It was much needed. That place, <laughs> it sucked. It was Just hard like, to get to. Uh, really? Where'd you yeah. have to live? How far did you live from like the practice facilities and the uh, stadium? Well, our practice facility is was in santa clara that's and that's where the new stadium is now it's actually just they built it in a parking lot there's like a six flags across the street and they built the stadium like an old six flags parking lot and uh i don't even live t- i live in san jose i only live 10 minutes away but you know for to go up to the city it'd probably take you 45 minutes to get to the stadium the stadium was on the south side of, of san francisco but luckily on home games we would stay at the airport which is only like around the airport sfo was only i mean maybe 10 minutes from the stadium because that's on the south side of san francisco as well so luckily it wasn't too bad of a drive but sometimes you guess that california traffic doesn't matter what time of day it could be at like 9 30 at night it's like rush hour traffic for some reason but uh, yeah it wasn't easy that place was uh 
<laughs> that place was a dump. That there's obviously <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of iconic moments that went down in 49er history. Uh, I was not any part of those. We had some pretty down years. Now I was with the 49ers, but uh, when I left, it got better. I don't know if there's any uh, irony in that or uh, any coincidence in that, but uh, <laughs> those are things you should never tell me. Yeah, Jay. right. Uh, I, use I, I don't. I don't need to give life. you any more. Yeah, I don't need to give you any more fuel. Um, but yeah, it was good. It was it was fun out there. Uh, interesting, you know, being a kid that's grown up in the Midwest and really never left the state of Nebraska, and then all of a sudden you're flown out to uh, the Bay Area, and you're trying to find apartments that, you know, you're paying rent that's. Uh, you know, on a mortgage on like a, almost a, <laughs> like three quarters of a million dollar home here and, and, you know, half a million dollar home to three quarters of a million dollar home in Omaha or Lincoln. And you're paying that on a two bedroom apartment in California. You're like, oh boy, this is, <laughs> yeah, stuff just got real. Thank you. Signing bonus. That's you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It helps. Yeah. So I think with you and I, we do your podcast, the more to it. And we talk a lot of Husker football, a lot of Husker football. And I think the one of the biggest topics that people always bring up to me from our discussions are the difference between the 3-4 and the 4-3 defenses that you and I played is you were a true rush end. And what I mean by that is not only did you have the exact body size, speed, power for it, but you had the versatility to be able to drop back, cover some passes, not well, but drop back, cover, take up some space. And then you go to San Francisco and you were essentially standing up. Talk yeah. about that transition. Yeah, it wasn't easy. It was hard. And then when you get, you know, my first two years, uh, I was on IR. I was had season ending injuries my first two years in the league. So it took me a while to learn the position. Uh, it was completely different. Uh, as a 4-3 defensive end, you, you listen for calls. You kind of just pay attention to the tight end or the tackle or just, you know, making sure, you know, you play in a, you know, a gap scheme, you know, my, you know, you have C gap or D gap, whatever it may be. And you listen for the calls. All of a sudden, when you go to a 3-4, um, I'm communicating with the inside linebackers. I'm communicating with corners. I'm communicating with safeties. I'm communicating moves and calls to three techniques or a four technique or a five technique. Um, I have to kind of know the whole field. I have to know coverages. You know, when we zone blitz in college, I was drop, you know, I'd always drop off like the number three receiver, and that's when you count outside in. So it's usually a tight end or to a, maybe more of a trips or a running back, if it's just, you know, more of a pro style uh, formation, but um, all of a sudden I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, I got to know cover six, cover nine, you know, cover two, you know, you name it, like all sorts of stuff. It was hard. It was really hard because all of a sudden you're playing against, you know, grown ass men who do this for a living and they're a lot bigger and faster than everyone in college. And so the games are not better looking Jay. That's for sure. We, we, we got that handled. <laughs> Um, and it was tough. It was just, it was a struggle. I was, it took me, honestly, it, if I wasn't hurt, I probably would have taken me my full rookie year and I probably would have got the hang of it my second year, but I didn't really get the hang of it till my third year because I would go through training camp and then get hurt. And obviously you'd have OTAs and stuff, but just never was able to fully grasp it just because I was only able to play in, you know, you play in four preseason games and, you know, then I get hurt and all of a sudden, boom, you're on IR and all you're allowed to do is rehab and you go to meetings and stuff. But I, I was never a guy that could learn it in the meeting room. I had to like be on the field, go through walkthroughs and, and go through it. So it's, uh, it's, it wasn't easy, but it's, uh, I love the defense. It's great. I think it's, uh, 
it's very efficient that you have, it's, you have to have the guys, you know, it's your, your bodies are a little different than, than a four, three, you're going to have bigger D lineman, you know, the, the guy that can play, you know, two gaps and, and kind of a nose and all that stuff. So uh, linebackers are usually a little smaller sometimes in the, in the three, four, cause you got to be able to run. You got to be able to uh, avoid blocks because you have obviously a lot of times you'll have guards uncovered and they can get right up to you on the second level. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was, it's, it's great. If I was a D coordinator now, I'd want to run a three, four, to be honest, over a four, three, I'd like to do both. We did both in sub and nickel situations, but I think a three, four defense, you get the guys to do it. Uh, you can cause some, cause some, uh, tough situations for the offense. Do you think, you know, we're seeing our defense, the black shirts, they're starting to move in the right direction. Statistically, they got better as the year went on. They're running the three, four. Do you think it's too tough mentally on those kids? to learn both and be able to move in, move out. We did an under over, you know, that concept is somewhat similar, uh, but, you know, moving to complete different formations, that's a lot of mental entanglement. How do you think they could handle that at that age? Yeah, they kind of, it's their, their three, their three, four is a lot different than what I ran. Uh, I ran like a Wade Phillips three, four. They run more of like a Belichick Parcells type three, four where essentially a lot of times you watch Nebraska play, they have 2D linemen and then they have their two outside guys. So essentially they almost are in a 4-3. And depending on who they play, you know, they are in a dime nickel situation a lot just because of, you know, now nowadays spread football. But, you know, when they, when you get, you know, you go against more of the Wisconsin's and you know, I'm trying to think of other kind of lineup at you in the Big Ten. I'm trying to think everyone's kind of still spread, you know, Penn State, Ohio State. Um, you right. know, Iowa, I think Iowa's you obviously line up at you and run the ball. So a lot of times we in those situations, that's where that defense plays really, really well is when you get more of your pro style, you know, 22 personnel, it's two tight ends, two running backs or, you know, 21 personnel and more your pro style. And that defense is well suited for that. It's just it, it's I think it's hard against some of the spread and stuff that, that they get and they kind of spread you out and and. uh you know, now you're relying on, you know, four guys to rush the passer. And it's just, you don't have necessarily the, the best pass rushers sometimes that a, a guy's playing at a, you know, a three technique. It's hard to get home. So, um, but I think it's, they do a little bit of both sometimes, but I, they defense played well this year. I mean, that's the only bright spot of the football teams. You know, the offense was still let uh, another letdown, but the defense, I think, stepped up and, and did a lot of good things. So I, I like what Shenander and, and our guy Barrett Rude and, you know, and uh, Fisher and Tuioti and um, Dawson are doing down there. You know, it's, they're doing a lot of really good things. So hopefully they can improve and, and tweak you know, all the tweak stuff. But uh, I'm, you know, excited to see what they're able to put out there in, you know, 2021 now, I guess. You just made me feel old. You know, we, we, always, <laughs> we always joked about – you know, Scott Frost, please listen to your podcast and hear opinions, you know, get some more guys around the program, former players. Now you're starting to see it. Jay Foreman is yeah. there volunteering, a couple other guys. I mean, I must have missed the call. I don't know if your <laughs> cell phone was ringing, James, but they're starting to see that. And we've already starting to hear a little some positive feedback from that. Um, in our experience and your experience specifically in 2006, I sat there and I thought, you know, what marquee game can I ask Jay about? Well, you balled out in all of them, Jay, clearly and obviously. And I'll say that <laughs> to the day I die. But what really booked my man, I, I found a picture of us, you, me, and Stu. And I'll send it to you. It's us walking out the front of the team going into Texas A&M 
against the yeah. 12 man on a game that was going to determine whether we were going to go to the Big 12 championship or not. And if you remember, that team was stacked. They're good. A lot of talent. They were fighting. They were still in the mix for a conference championship if Oklahoma ended up missing out. So there was a lot of impact that game. Probably one of the toughest atmospheres we played in. We stop them on defense, and our team goes down and scores a touchdown to put us in the Big 12 championship. That was the marquee one, I think, in my head from your senior year. What, what's the one that sticks out to you? That would be, that would be for, you know, getting a win down there is hard. I mean, winning at Kyle Field and Texas A&M and College Station, that's, that's, a, that's a hard place to play. And we, we started out well. I think we were up like 21-3 in that game. We always kind of start off the third quarter slow. I mean, a lot of teams do it after halftime. They they fought back. We have we get a stop. We block a field goal because they got the field goal. The yeah. game was pretty much over, and we were because I think we were down by six, I believe, or maybe five. I think I can't remember. Anyways, um, but they get it, and you know Zach just comes out firing. I mean, like guys came up big, like. Dan Erickson had like a couple huge catches, like you know, he got yeah. people don't probably guys remember him. All. Up. Yeah, he up on special teams. I think he caught a couple big passes on the sideline. And obviously, you know, Nate Swift and and Todd Peterson catching big passes. And I think Cody Glenn ran the ball all that game, but that drive, and then they throw that fade up to Maurice, and it was just like that was that was it. And then we actually had to go back on the field. Like mm-hmm. and I like think Zach, had, can you take your time, buddy? We're yeah, we're already right. cashed out. We did our job, just melt the clock a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But we had to go back out there and we shut I think they had Two, two tries, two or three tries, I can't remember, but uh, I think me and Adam met at the quarterback for the final play of the game and got him down. So that, that's a huge one. You know, there's, you know, unfortunately, I always remember more of the losses, unfortunately, just the way, you know, some of those Texas Half games. class Texas, empty guy, huh? huh? Yeah, I know. I still, that Texas one rips my heart out. You know, oh. the Texas game, my junior year, your, your sophomore year, that still kills me. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, I think. We beat Kansas my senior year at home. We like went to overtime. Kansas was becoming a really good program there with Mangino. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that A and M one, when you we you know we had a chance, I think, to seal the the North when we played Oklahoma State, but we kind of shit the bed there. But uh, we were banged up. That was a tough game because what we we were coming off it was basically a trap game. And for those listeners who don't know what those trap games are, I mean, you got you have a, a high, a big. You know, primetime game the week before. You got another primetime game the week after. You're playing somewhat of a down team on the road. There's just a lot of factors that come into that that make it a difficult win. I was hurt. So, I mean, there goes your best player. So now you're really trying to recoup <laughs> some talent on the field. See, you could even set out the straight face. I, I, I never can. I never can. And if people don't uh, know me and listen to this, they really think I'm the biggest a-hole yeah. possible. But oh, it's sure. just par for the course for us. Yeah, okay? yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, everyone's like, do you know this Corey McEwen guy? Like, what's his what's his deal? I'm like, oh yeah, you don't know him well now. Just just give it <laughs> just give it some time. He's he doesn't have a serious bone in his body. Just um, get in a foursome with him on the course, you'll get it. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that that one's huge. I mean, to seal it, uh, I you know we hadn't played in a Big Twelve championship since I think since 2000. You know when Nebraska won it, or maybe 99. Right. Excuse me, in 99s and. So that was big. That's that's that would be mine too. I mean, that was that was a big time win for us. And you know, unfortunately, the Big Twelve title against Oklahoma didn't go the way we wanted to. I mean, defensively, we played our tails off, our asses off. You know, that was that was fun thing. But offense couldn't get going. So, but yeah, that A and M game was uh, that's a, that's a good one. 
I got a play for everyone to listen about because this is one of my favorite things, and I've joked about it with you. Um, 2006, we're at USC. Big time game. We had, I thought we had a decent game plan on defense. I thought our offense played very conservatively just to try to keep us in the game. I mean, we yeah. didn't let Zach go. I mean, they were so damn talented. You well, could make like, one mistake. I think I mean, they, they had about end up being like five first rounders on that defense that like that over the next like twos, right? I mean, Taylor fair? Mays, Ray Malaluga, Cedric Ellis, Clay Matthews, know, Clay Matthews, and he didn't really play. I mean, he was he played special teams, but I think he was pretty young. You know, uh, gosh, I'm thinking I'm missed probably some other guys, but yeah, I mean that that you know Dwayne Jarrett, wide receiver on offense. You know, uh, they had a really good offensive tackle, uh, Sam Baker. That was a first rounder that played in the league for like ten years. So, yeah, that team was. I mean, hell, they just played for the national championship the year before and got beat by Texas. But you right. know, obviously, they don't have Reggie and Liner anymore and Lendell White. So, um. Yeah, but sorry, you're getting no, that they were good, and I'll never forget we were, we did a lot of some good zone blitzes, and there was a lot of plays that you were crashing down a gap, and I was kind of scraping off the end for cleanup, and there was a play. Here comes number forty four, beats his guy off the line. The fullback knows you're not his guy, so you stick the guy right in the hole. The running back, you've got a lineman on your left, you stick him. The tight end's trying to cut me. He, I get away from the cut, and I see you stand him up, and I've got no angle to hit the guy. But you know who I had an angle to hit? You. So I went as hard as I can right at the back of your jersey and did you from behind. And to be quite honest, I don't really think it did too much. We stood him up in the hole, probably caused the fourth down. Who knows? But then I just remember walking out the field going, I think Jay's going to be pretty pissed at me. I just tapped yeah. him in the back in the middle yeah. of the hole. Thanks. Appreciate that. That's that's hey. you know, that just helps all my prescriptions. I have to go pick up at Walgreens, <laughs> you know, every month. Well, we'd appreciate if you'd shop local, Jay. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that was one of my favorite plays. But, you know, I think I think back of our both our 2005 or 2006 season, you and I had a game-changing play against Iowa State. Do you remember yeah. what it was? Yeah, we yeah we did. I mean, well, I had an interception. Not my career, only career interception that game. The one I'm talking about, 06, at Iowa State. Oh, 06, the fake State field start. goal. Yeah, the fake field goal, yes. Yeah, sorry, I – I always go back to my one career interception. You know, that's always so. Hey, it was a great pick, Jay. You should yeah. talk about it. <laughs> um, no, that was. I forget. They did. They they ran the fake. And I, God, I think we stopped him down the goal line in, in a situation, too. Um, but, yeah, that fake. I remember uh, I almost, like, cause my responsibility was to, like, hit the tight end and kind of bounce outside and to – make sure they don't run a fake that way. Well, I almost bounced outside too early and I caught myself and like fought back in there. And I think you and I both hit them there. And Yeah. I, I remember short. they had a, that was a great plan because they knew that we were rushing about two gaps really hard back when you could, when you could push them behind, leaving yeah. a couple of gaps vulnerable. But I remember in my head thinking, are these guys serious? They're going to run this scrawny string cheese with hair looking kid at me and Jay Moore. And you and I planted the guy. And if you think back, those two years for Iowa State, when they had a, two good recruiting classes, they had Brett Meyer, Todd Blythe. They had a lot of talent. Sure. They had the kid from Omaha. Yeah, leaders. Yeah. yeah, and leaders, well, the ID lineman, but Stevie uh, Hicks. Yeah, they had a lot of talent. And they were actually on the cusp of maybe taking over the Big Ten nor or the Big 12 North 
because, you know, we, we were starting to roar back from a bad mm-hmm. season and they had a lot of talent. Oh, five, they come in your pick. We, we beat them in OT, right? Yeah, so we that, do like, yeah, 28, 21 or something like that. Yeah. And I remember coach Kellen circling that one at Iowa state on the calendar going, you know, in 2006 going, this is going to be a pivotal game. And we came in there and I think played some of our best football on the road at night, tough, tough atmosphere against a really good team. And I think we handled them pretty well. I think it was 28-14. We stopped yeah, the line twice. Yeah, I, we kind of had control like that whole game. I remember like we get kind of a late touchdown for half. I think Mo Purify caught one. But I just never felt like that thing was out of control. I felt like we had that thing in wraps the whole the whole game. I can't even like don't even remember like a super stressful situation except one time I was in zone coverage. I left my guy because I thought Meyer was gonna run. And then uh, he dumps the ball over my head, and Kaz got pissed and pulled me out for a play. But other than that, <laughs> that, was, that was the most stressful situation of that game. But Jay, even you could take one off. Okay, no one's <laughs> perfect. We all make mistakes out there. Not me, but most likely you. Yeah, see, I always this is my bad habit. I always, always remember the bad plays and my interception. <laughs> it was a great pick. I could pull yeah. it up on YouTube for for all the <laughs> listeners out there. I'll just blast it to every email address in Nebraska to remind them. <laughs> So your your Elkhorn Antlers had a great year. Yeah. Huskers a little bit of a down year. Niners a little bit of a down year. Talk a little bit um, how your injuries kind of stopped your your pro career because, I mean, you were going to be a stud and tear up the biceps doing too many curls. I remember that. That's you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, I never really was hurt in college. You know, I never missed a game because of injury. but my rookie year, we're playing the Chargers in preseason down there at, you know, old Polcom. And my own teammate falls on my left ankle in the last preseason game, in the first half, I believe, or maybe late in the or early in the third. And uh, boom, it uh, wasn't a broken ankle. I've been better off as broken, but it was like a super duper high sprain, like bone bruise, like cartilage kind of all jacked up. I uh, wasn't allowed to run for like 14 weeks. You know, if they said if I would have broken my ankle, I'd been back in like six weeks. So that was so I was out, and that was I couldn't have played anyway. Because that was back when IR, you, you they have two IRs now where you can be on it for eight and still come back and play the rest of the season. But that's when you are an IR, you were stuck there for the year. So rehab with all that wasn't easy. Um, came back, you know, my second year in the league, and again playing the Chargers at our place. Now we always play the Chargers our last preseason game of every year. And uh, I was on starting kickoff, so we got the ball first. We came out and scored. So opening, we kicked the ball back after there, and I was back off to them. And I think I was number three or number four on kickoff. So you always counted outside in. So I essentially was one or two guys removed from the kicker. Mm-hmm. Running down, I am not blocked. I'm kind of looking around, heading a swivel. I'm like, oh, my God, someone's going to come and, like, tee off on me here. But come down – no one touched me, and the guy is running away from me to my right. And this dude is like stupid fast, and so I reach out and dive, and I grab his like towel that he had hanging off of him, and I got whipped around, and I felt like my I had caught a cramp in my bicep. I looked down, and like my biceps, like all the way up my arm. I'm like, uh, uh. so I like can't move it because I do like I just catch that cramping feeling, and then like I'm like what just happened like oh you just tore your bicep you're gonna be on ir again so you know get surgery you know a few days later and rehab for that and then yeah and then now i'm damaged goods and kind of bounce around the league for a little bit to keep trying to play but you know it's hard it's hard to find a spot when you've 
you know, really haven't played a whole lot of football your first two years and you've been hurt. So, you know, wasn't, was a little bit of unfortunate, but you know, sometimes things go the way they do. Yep. You know, and obviously you would have had a great career without those injuries, but you've also been lucky. I mean, they haven't carried over. You're a great golfer now. You enjoy playing the sport. You do a lot in terms of reporting and discussing the Huskers and, and the organization, the team, the players. You do a great job with that. I know I watch, so there's one viewer for you. Um, but um, talk about, you know, with this Nebraska Foundation, the Nebraska Greats Foundation, you know, you were lucky. You know, you're not seeing too many medical expenses, anything down the road. But if there's any athletes out there that, that lettered in the state of Nebraska, any university, you know, they have any hardships financially or with medical, you know, Jay's a good example. Jay's been lucky. He hasn't had any too many residual effects. Um, but, you know, if he goes to break a golf club over his knee after I beat him on the course and he has to go to the hospital, the Nebraska Greats Foundation will step in and help you there. But, you know, the problem with this, Jay, and, and you, there's guys like us and we've got these egos, especially me, and that don't like reading foundations are there for guys like us. Who, who have hardships and, you know, don't be too prideful. You know, I know you wouldn't, I know I wouldn't. Um, so if there's anyone out there listening that, you know, could benefit from that, that uttered in the state of Nebraska, you know, please do not hesitate to reach out. Uh, Jay, what else? Give me something about yourself, something on the golf course that keeps you focused, that keeps you getting better, that I could write down in my notes to carry with me when I'm out there. Well, I don't, I mean, golf's the greatest game because you never, you know, you're, you can get something, you can be better at something every day, you know, like that's, you know, sometimes your putting stinks. So you work on your putting. Sometimes your short game stinks. So you work on your short game. Some, sometimes you're not hitting the ball well with, you know, your wedges, you know, inside a hundred yards. So you work on it. There's always something to work on. That's what, uh, that's what I enjoy. You know, that's, you know, in not, you know, being retired from football now since uh, 2012, but just, keeps those competitive juices flowing, whether I'm playing with you or, you know, you know, other guys or good players out there, you know, you're playing for whether it's five bucks, 20 bucks or a hundred bucks or whatever. It's just nice to get the juices flowing and, and work at something like we did with football. So there's always something to get better at. That's what that's, and that's what you, as an athlete, you were just always working on something to get better while you're trying to get stronger, faster, bigger, quicker, you know, learn the game better, become smarter. There was always something now, you know, we don't have that at all for me is that helps replace that. So it's been good. You know, I, I saw it. I can't remember if it was from Tiger Woods documentary or where I saw it, but I, it really stuck in my head as an athlete, as a competitor, um, as someone that wants to succeed at everything from um, my work life to my being a father, to taking the trash out, you know, to, to, to beating my son at sports, who's four. So he knows that he's not the king dingling yet. Right. Uh-huh. But the thing that stuck out of my head was golf is the only sport that you're competing against yourself. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And that's, that will always stick out of my head, especially yeah. me who's a mental, mental midget. So, yeah, you know, you know, if you, you know, I made you look good your career in college. So, you know, I've kept those guys off of you. That's right. So, and I'd appreciate it if you did you it post-college on the golf course. You don't, you don't hit a good shot on the golf course. I can't make you look better. You did it. It's all on you. <laughs> well, especially when you're giving me counterintuitive advice. Just kidding. You would never do that. Well, so, no, that's, that's, yeah, you're exactly right. It's just you and there's a ball staring at you and you try to hit it. And then sometimes it goes where you're looking and sometimes it doesn't. And then you try to figure out how to 
put that dumb ball in a small hole as quick as possible, the least shots possible. And it's it's a simple that game. But so it's so simple, crazy. isn't it? It yeah, is. Exactly. You hit a ball with a stick into a really small hole and try to do it as few as, as, few as times possible. So <laughs> it's a great game. I love it. But, yeah, it's, it can drive you mad. Well, Jay, buddy, I appreciate you jumping on this pod. Um, I, I know everyone's always uh, excited to hear from you. Um, and if you're if you're out there and you need any help with anything financially, medical wise, you know, please go to the website www.negreats.org. You know, this has been the Nebraska Greats podcast produced by the Nebraska Greats Foundation, which serves collegiate athletes facing medical need and financial challenges. Jay Moore, number forty-four, Nebraska Cornhuskers, black shirt. Appreciate it, buddy. And uh, I'll see you soon. This has been Nebraska Greats, a weekly podcast serving the Nebraska Greats Foundation. You can find each episode on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Play, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Please give generously to serve Nebraska's former sports heroes in need at anygreats.org. And be sure to follow the Any Greats on Facebook and Twitter.